Welcome to the She Connects podcast. My name is Susan Vandenhubel, and I am honored to be your host each and every week. This is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, that allows me to connect with women in the online space. You can learn more about me and my ministry at www.sherisesmn.org or simply tap the link in the show notes. But for now, let's dive into this week's episode. Well, hey, ladies, welcome back to the show. This week, I am starting a new series that I'm titling The Armor of God. And there's really something that's kind of motivating me to start this series. I really believe that there has been just a spiritual attack that has been leveled at people of faith, and it's been pretty intense. I have received numerous messages, whether it's text messages, emails, private messages on you know social media, just really asking questions about this particular thing. Is it spiritual warfare? I'm experiencing this and it, I, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to do. What should my response be? And I think even myself, I mean, it, it's just been, it's been next level. So I want to start this series on the armor of God because I want to encourage you that God has provided every single one of us as, as Christian women, followers of Christ, what he refers to as the armor of God. So in other words, he has not left us powerless. He knew that we would be just feeling like we're in this spiritual battle. He knew that we would feel resistance and opposition. He knew that there would be things that were really challenging that were, you know, just kind of as a result of the the battle that is happening in the spirit realm. And so he, he didn't want to leave us powerless. And so he gave us the armor of God. And so this week, I'm going to kind of lay, lay the, uh, the framework, if you will, to better understand that we are in a spiritual battle, whether we believe it or not, whether we understand it or not, that doesn't matter. The Bible clearly says, and I'm going to give some biblical support here in just a minute, we are in a spiritual battle. Of course, it's not something that we can necessarily see, you know, with our natural eyes, but in like in the spirit realm, there is a battle that is raging. And of course, we see the influences of the demonic realm and that battle taking place in the world. We see like the influence of that. And I, again, I'm going to break that down here in, in a couple of minutes to help us better understand that. But I, I want to encourage you that even though even though satan and his cohort the demonic forces they do have power i mean yes they do but they don't have authority they don't have authority over you as a child of god as a follower of christ and so in this series we're going to unpack what are the pieces of the armor of god and i think that this series is going to help you not only better understand what these pieces of the armor are but you're going to better understand how to apply them to your faith because it's so much more than well just put on the armor of god before you go out your front door in the morning i mean it's so much more than that it's such a deeper 
topic of our faith that it requires us to really do a deep dive to better understand this. And I think that when we better understand it, we will be able to do what the Bible tells us to do. And that is take a stand and stand your ground. So this week is the framework that's going to kind of launch us into the the weeks after this, where we're going to be studying the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, and prayer. I believe that there are seven pieces, not six pieces to the armor of God, because I, Paul includes prayer at the end, at the end when he lists this, these different pieces of the armor out in the book of Ephesians, he includes prayer. And the reason why I also, whenever I teach on the armor of God, include prayer is because I think that it's the backbone to our faith. It's the backbone to really seeing change take place in our lives. It gives us direct communication to God, to the one who, who can intervene and bring change it it allows us to tap into the resources of heaven and so prayer is really powerful and it's really important however i think that it's probably the most underutilized pieces of the armor so all right when we think about the armor of god and that we are engaged in this spiritual battle i have found that people usually fall on um, one side of this of this topic or the other side. They either don't pay any attention or they pay too much attention to the devil. Both are equally unwise and it's important we understand who our adversary is and to understand that he does have an agenda. He does have a plan. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for the church and he is out to, according to Jesus, words in John 10. He said that he is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so I think that it's important that we understand that we we do have an adversary and that he does have a plan to, you know, to, yes, faith isn't denying reality. But then I think that sometimes we, sometimes people get like so caught up in that and they become so like, devil focused where they kind of, they kind of have this this mindset of here a devil there a devil everywhere a devil everything is a devil <laughs> and so that's unwise but it's it's also equally unwise to not give him any attention and to just think oh you know I don't have to worry about him because he's been conquered at the cross well he has yes he has but I mean, he still like has an agenda for you and for me. So in first Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine, it says, be sober, be, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The Amplified Version reads in verse 9, Withstand him, be firm in the faith against his onset, rooted and established, strong, immovable, and determined. Oh man, I love that. And all of those things, being rooted, established, strong, immovable, and determined, it's by understanding what the armor of God is, putting it on, and activating our faith to 
to the armor of God and the meaning behind these pieces. But even more than that, we have to first be firmly rooted and established in God and in God alone. For he is the one that gives us the strength to be able to stand and stand our ground. It's not dependent upon upon us. And I don't know about you. I am grateful that I am not left up to my own self and my own strength and my own sense and reason and having to try to figure this out. But God is with me and through the power of his Holy Spirit, he is equipping me and he is empowering me to activate the armor of God, activate activate my faith to the to the armor of God by better understanding it and standing in the victory that Christ has already given to you and my, you and I. So again, yes, he has power over us, but he does not have authority over us. I think that there's also a difference between between someone being possessed, like demonically possessed, and having the influence of of the enemy in our lives. And I wanna I wanna unpack that here so that we kind of can move forward together. I I know that some people don't necessarily agree with that and some people do do believe that followers of Christ can be demonically possessed. I personally don't see that in in the Bible. Now, does that mean that I've never sat across from people who love the Lord and and you know are trying to live their lives the best that they can for Jesus not being influenced by, you know, like by a demonic spirit or by a stronghold that has been built in their lives that it was introduced through some kind of entry point. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we, when we, you know, are thinking thoughts that are not, are not biblically supported or we're, you know, maybe doing things that, that don't reflect righteousness and holiness. When we are doing things, we're behaving in a way where, you know, just kind of maybe even dabbling in self-sabotaging, self-destructive type behaviors, there quite possibly could be a demonic influence behind that. So in Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, Jesus is being accused of really being demonically possessed. So in in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 22, it says, then one, one was brought to him, who this is Jesus, who was demon possessed, blind and mute. He healed him so that the blind and mute man spoke and saw, and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David. Now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Belazab, the ruler of the demons in verse 25. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Belzezub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he plunder his house? He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters scatters abroad. So again, 
I personally do not believe that the Bible supports that believer in Christ, one who is born again, is a true follower of Jesus Christ. And sometimes, if I'm going to be honest, I kind of hesitate to say Christian because in the world that we're living in, uh, you know, people attach that that to themselves in many different ways, and they're not a true follower of Jesus Christ. But I, I just don't see that that the Bible supports that for a true believer in Jesus Christ. Like you're, you know, living for Christ, your life reflects that you are living for Christ. You're bearing fruit for his glory that is reflective of his redemptive work in your life. Now, again, like I said earlier, I think that sometimes there can be areas of our lives that are demonically influenced. And in this series, we will definitely take a look at that. But, you know, in Matthew's gospel, chapter four, it gives a detailed account of Jesus. Jesus being tempted by the devil. So he wasn't possessed, but he was being tempted. So there was some demonic influence there. If we did a deep dive into that reading, we would see that the devil was tempting Jesus with things that he already had. Jesus already had all power, all authority, and all position. And verse four shows us exactly how he withstood the devil. He said, it is written, Every time the devil tried to tempt him and to bait him into believing that he was lacking something in his identity, he always came back with the same response. It is written. Those three words, it is written. Jesus in those three words tells you and I how we respond to accusation, condemnation, lies, strongholds, slander, and anything else that the enemy would want to bait us with with the truth. That's how we respond. That is our response. It is the truth. And so in order for us to to take a stand and stand our ground in truth, well, we first have to know the truth, right? Because we we can't we can't stand in truth if we don't know what the truth is. I mean, you know, in a, in a world that is telling us that that truth is kind of a relative type term now that you know, everybody has their own truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. It's okay if we don't always agree. We can um, kind of meet in the middle and hope, you know, to kind of move along. No, no, no. <laughs> truth is an absolute definition. And his name is Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So truth isn't a relative type definition. Truth is an absolute definition. And and it's it's important that we understand that truth is a person. It's not out there somewhere. Truth is a is a who. His name is Jesus. And so if we're going to understand what truth is, we need to go to the source. Jesus, what does he say about truth and how do we apply that to our lives? So know thy enemy. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all 
to stand. Ephesians shows us that the Lord is mighty in battle, and through his victory, you and I have what we need to resist and to overcome. So it's his victory on the cross, not ours, right? And the cross is already spoken. The cross is already spoken. And again, in this world that wants us to believe that our biblical values, what we believe as truth found in the person of Jesus Christ is no longer relevant or doesn't have any value or isn't applicable to us today because we are modern day people. This is 2023. And those values, those biblical values, they are outdated. They were for, you know, your grandma and your great grandma. No, no, no. The cross is already spoken and he did a complete work. Jesus's last words on the cross, it is finished. It is finished. And there is no updated version needed. There is no updated version coming. And so you and I, you and I, we can understand that the cross is spoken and he is mighty in battle. And through his victory on the cross, his victory, not ours, we have been given everything that we need to resist and to overcome. In verse 10, we see, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Again, we're looking at Ephesians chapter 6. It says in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are never victorious if we are solely relying upon our strength, our sense, and our reason. And here's the thing. We cannot fight spiritual things with earthly tools. Wow. Come on, somebody. Let me repeat that. We are never victorious if we are only relying solely upon our strength, our sense, and our reason, our wisdom, our methods, anything that we can apply as to self, because we cannot fight spiritual things with earthly tools. Wow, that is so powerful. And I love, I love that in Nehemiah uh, chapter eight, verse 10, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So let me unpack that here for just a minute. The joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So what, where do we find joy? In the Lord. And when we find joy in the Lord, what is the fruit of that? What does it produce in our lives? According to Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it gives us strength, right? So let me repeat Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So the joy of who? God, not our job, not any earthly possession, not a status, not a role, not how much money I have in my bank account, not who I'm friends with, not my marital status, nothing on this side of heaven. The joy of the who? The Lord. And what is the fruit of that in our lives? It gives us strength. And so why do I why do I want to interject that? Because I think that one of the things in this day and age that the devil is after and that he is targeting, I believe it's our joy. 
your joy, my joy, because he knows, he knows the scriptures, right? We see that in, in Matthew's gospel chapter four, he was twisting the word of God when he was tempting Jesus. And so it's very unwise to underestimate him. Let's not underestimate him. Let's the the devil I'm talking about. Let's not underestimate him. Again, we don't have to be afraid of him. We don't have to be timid and afraid, but it is, it is unwise to under underestimate him. And so he knows that if we're finding um, our joy in the Lord, we will be strengthened to to fight these spiritual things and to take a stand and to stand our, our ground in in the Lord's mighty strength, right? In the Lord's mighty strength. And so I think that one of the things that we are seeing in this day and age is that the devil is after our joy. He's attacking our joy. And it's been like next level because he knows that it will rob you of your strength because we just want to give in then, right? We just want to quit. We we just feel like we can't go forward. Things look just very discouraging. We're disheartened. We're disillusioned with our faith and with the church and and just anything that, that pertains to, to who God is. So we need to put on the armor of God and we need to understand exactly what the armor of God is and and to be able to activate our faith to walk in that armor that has been provided for us. When you think about law enforcement, um, just a shout out, first of all, to our law enforcement people, our men and women in blue who lay their lives on the line and protect us. Wow. I just feel like it's been open season on on law enforcement and I know that there's that there's been some actions by certain individuals that are not good and that they should be held accountable because their actions and decisions have not been good and and I I agree with that and yes I I do believe that but you know what I feel like we have become a society where we're just like make a, making a generalization and saying that now all law enforcement are bad. And I mean, it's just open season on them. And I, I don't know, like I will stay off my soapbox, but I just feel like that is, that is not good. I don't feel like it's biblical and I don't feel like it's God honoring. But you know, when, when we are driving our cars and, and maybe you have come upon an accident of some kind, or maybe you're leaving a, a, like a stadium of some kind, like you've been at a concert or a game of some kind and the traffic is really heavy. And so someone in a law enforcement uniform is, guiding traffic, right? We kind of understand that. Well, when when they're standing there in their full uniform, we kind of sit up and take notice and and we follow the rules and we do what they're saying. Why? Because we recognize that that person is is someone of of authority and they they are in a position and they have been given kind of you know, the ability to have an established rule and order and to kind of you know, guide traffic and or whatever the situation is. But if I was standing out there and doing that in my blue jeans and tennis shoes, everybody would be looking at me and honking their horns, wondering what kind of crazy woman I am and why are you out there? They wouldn't be paying any attention to me. And so when you think about 
being dressed in the armor of God, you are being dressed in something that has been given to you by your God to be able to withstand the wiles of the devil. And so it's really important that we understand that we are, again, we are not powerless people. The Lord has not just, you know, just kind of sent us out there to try to figure this out on our own. Make no mistake. Again, make no mistake who our enemy is. And uh, again, make no mistake that the devil wants us to think and view people as our enemy. He, he wants us to take our focus off of him. And he wants us to look at people in our lives and in the world as they are our enemy. And I need to direct all of my all of my effort and all of my energy and and you know anything else against them he wants you to think that your spouse is your enemy your parents are your enemy that neighbor that's driving you nuts is your is your enemy that coworker that you wish would transfer to a different department that they are your enemy that your employer is your enemy that the government is your enemy i mean come on somebody do i agree with the what with what the government is doing and the decisions that they're making absolutely not but i know that the enemy would want to bait me to believe that they are my enemy do i think that there's some demonic influence going on and quite possibly some demonic possession of certain people absolutely i do i do believe that but again we see reinforcement to what we've already learned that yes they have power but they don't have authority they demonic forces they have power but they don't have authority and then we see in in verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6 that it repeats the activating of the armor of god so let me just kind of run over this again verse 10 tells us to be strong in the lord verse 11 tells us to put on the armor verse 12 tells us who our enemy is. He makes it very clear who our enemy is. Principalities, rulers of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And in verse 13, he repeats that the apostle Paul repeats, put on, put on the armor of God. You know, so I want to encourage you, if you've been kind of feeling like those people that I that I just listed off are like they're, you know, kind of you've been feeling like and targeting them as as your enemy and you feel like there's just this onslaught of frustration and strife and offense. There's just been a lot of discord and you are just feeling even like maybe like with the government, maybe you, I mean, you're feeling just this intense level of offense and it's like, like kind of just eating away at you and it's keeping you up at night. That's not God's heart for you. Should we have a righteous anger about some of the things that they are doing and the laws that they're passing? Absolutely. Because the Bible is very clear that we are to be people who are making decisions and and you know doing things especially those of us in in some kind of leadership and authority that are reflective of of a righteousness and a holiness that is is from God but when it becomes like it's just kind of gnawing at us and it's like we just feel like this like anger on the inside of us. And we can tell that I'm just so offended and it's just really driving me. Can I encourage you to just sort of step back, to just sort of zoom out 
and ask yourself, what is really going on here? What is really going on here? Is this righteous anger or is this becoming something else where I am looking at them as as my enemy and now I'm targeting them and and I've taken the bait to believe that it you know that they are my enemy and so I've kind of taken my eyes off of really who is the enemy and who is behind this here. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses 1 through 5 clearly shows us there there is a spiritual war always taking place in the spirit realm. Verse 3 says for though we walk and live in the flesh we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical, weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Verse 5, inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories, reasonings, and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Other translations uh, use the words for in verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, the weapons of the war. Or we're fighting are not of this world, but are powered by God and effective at tearing down the strongholds erected against his truth. Wow, so powerful there. You know, in the Old Testament, the people of God were instructed over and over to tear down the high places when entering a land to conquer it. Or when a godly leader came into position over the people, they were told to demolish the high places. Like that was like one of their top things to do, conquer the land and tear down strongholds, tear down the high places because they were, they were erected against the truth of God, against the righteousness and against the holiness of God. You know, strongholds, uh, I want to talk just really quick here as I'm as I'm wrapping up about strongholds and footholds so that you understand how that kind of works. While we don't have to be fearful of being possessed as a follower of Christ, we do have to be aware of strongholds in our lives. Strongholds are built because they were first given a foothold. Uh, and a foothold is is given through an entry point into a specific area of our lives. And as we go through this, as we go through this series, um, I really think that you're going to better understand this. And I want to humbly ask you and humbly encourage you today. Again, I'm not pointing my finger. I'm not saying that there is, or even suggesting that there is, but in this, in this series, I want to ask you, are there any are there any strongholds in your life? Are there any high places in your life that need to be torn down? Have have you unknowingly or maybe innocently given the given the devil a foothold, like an, you've you've created an entry point 
for him to establish a foothold and he built a stronghold and it just kind of maybe is continuing to get stronger. Sometimes we, we do these things with, without even being aware that that's an entry point. We didn't understand. I didn't know that that was an entry point for the devil to get a foothold into my life. And so we're going to talk about that so that we can begin to tear down those strongholds and, and remove the foothold and seal up any entry points, close those entry points and renounce those things in our lives so that we're no longer influenced by the demonic realm in specific areas of our lives. So um, the most common, I think, and I'm going to unpack this uh, a little bit more as we move through this series, but the words we speak and what we believe about God, you know, I, I think that I think that that's definitely a, a demonic influence in the in the thoughts that we believe about God, what we what we hold to be truth according to how we view Him and like the nature of His character, and definitely the words that we speak in that regard. Because here's the thing: the enemy isn't trying to defy you; he's trying to defy the nature of the God in you. Yeah, yeah. Don't miss that. He's not out to defy you. He wants to defy the God in you and what you believe to be true about him. And so we're going to learn how to, when we begin to have these thoughts about, about God, that he's not for me, that I feel condemned by him, that, that he's not going to come through for me, that he's, he's failed me and that he's pushed me away or God isn't big enough to handle my problems, you know, those types of things. We're going to better understand as we move through this series to lay hold of those thoughts. We're going to talk about how to do that and then subject them to the truth of God and, and ask ourselves, where did that come from? Where did that thought come from? And can I open my Bible and find biblical support to what I'm thinking? All right. Another entry point, what we watch on television, the music that we listen to, the books that we read, the podcasts that we listen to. In other words, our choices of entertainment. That is huge right there. Huge entry point that the devil can get in to our lives and establish a foothold and then build the stronghold because it's the gateway to the soul. It's the gateway to the soul. We're going to talk about that um, as we move forward. But make no mistake, the type of television that you watch the type of music that you listen to, the type of books that you read, the type of podcasts that you listen to, anything like that that has to do with like your senses, they are entry points that the devil can use to get into our lives and then just build a stronghold. The places that we visit and the things that we attend Wow, the things, the places that we visit and the things that we attend. There we we see that uh, piece of the armor of God and the shoes of peace. We'll be unpacking that, um, isolating ourselves from faith-filled people. That's a huge one uh, because God created you and I to be in 
in relationships with people, to be in a healthy community. And isolation is the devil's playground. He wants to isolate you. He wants to pull you away. There's a reason for that. What we meditate on is another is another entry point. Not feeding our faith, you know, buying the lie and taking the bait that we're too busy. That is an entry point. Because if we if we begin to be too busy and we begin to miss positioning ourselves and feeding our faith, what happens then is pretty soon we don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Let me repeat that. If we start to make a habit of missing that, missing feeding our faith, pretty soon we just simply don't miss it anymore. Yeah, really powerful. And then Another entry point is believing the lie that prayer is ineffective. Wow, if he can keep you, if he can keep you from prayer and and understanding how powerful prayer is in that it is a direct line, a direct access to your heavenly father and it gives you a direct access to heavenly resources. I mean, wow, of course, he's going to do whatever he can to keep you from prayer, whether it's believing that you're too busy, that your prayers are ineffective, that that you don't know how to pray or, you know, whatever else that he would be baiting you with. Really powerful there. So again, my humble question to you is this. When I went through that list, was there anything that the Holy Spirit just really pointed out to you that quite possibly could be a stronghold or a high place in your life and that with him, with his help, uh, you can begin to tear those things down. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, I'm going to wrap up with this. Pray always, pray in the Spirit, pray about everything in every way you know how and keeping all of this in mind pray on behalf of God's people keep keep on praying fervently and be on the lookout until evil has been stayed and please pray for me this is the apostle paul speaking i mean wow if he is asking people to please pray for him i mean there's a there's another stronghold there quite possibly believing that it's a sign of weakness to ask people to pray for us when actually that's actually a, a sign of incredible strength so he says please pray for me pray that truth will be with me before i even open my mouth ask the spirit to guide me while i boldly defend the mystery that is the good news for which i am an ambassador in chains So pray that I can bravely pronounce the truth as I should do. Wow. Again, if you're feeling opposed to growing in your faith and feeling like you're in a constant battle, step back, zoom out, and invite invite the Lord to speak to you and his spirit to show you what is really going on and make any changes that he shows you. Ask him to show you how to pray. Stay close to the Lord and keep feeding your faith. Fill your atmosphere with with worship music. If you have a commute or whether it's long or short, fill the the atmosphere in your car with worship music. Fill fill your atmosphere in your home. You're cooking your meals. You're getting ready in the morning. Whatever you know, you're 
sweeping the floor, your whatever, cleaning bathrooms, fill your atmosphere and your headspace with worship music. Finally, remember that you are a threat to the devil's agenda. There is something within you that he is afraid of you discovering and walking in and ask yourself, why is that? Why is that? Why why do you feel so opposed and such resistance to growing in your faith? Why is that? Because there's something on the inside of you that he does not want you awakened to in your faith because he knows what's on the other side of that and he will do whatever he can to resist and to oppose. But greater is he who is on the inside of you, Jesus Christ, than he who is in this world. And remember, the cross is already spoken over your life. Okay, the cross is already spoken over your life and it is God's heart. It is his plan for you. It is his will for you that you live from that place of victory, not for victory. Amen. All right. So next week, we're going to be looking at the belt of truth. So that's going to be a really great and equipping and empowering episode. So come right back here. Same place. We're going to unpack that. And maybe you know someone in your life that could benefit from this series. Maybe your life group, maybe your sister, your friend, whoever share this. Like I said earlier, I just think that people of faith are really being attacked and opposed and resisted in their faith. And we need encouragement from one another. So, all right, I'll leave you with that. Have a great rest of your week. Stay well, stay warm. I think that warmer weather is on its way here in Minnesota. So anyway, I'll catch you right back here uh, next week. Thank you so much for joining me this week. It was great connecting with you. Hey, would you do me a quick favor that would mean the world to me? Would you go ahead and leave a few stars and a review or even a comment? It not only means so much to me, but in the online space and the podcasting world, the more stars, reviews, and comments that a podcast receives, the further the reach. It ranks up a little bit higher in Google searches, which then results in reaching more women with this amazing content. So if you are blessed and enjoying, you know, just the content that you are hearing here on the podcast, would you go ahead and leave a few stars, a review, and some comments? It means the world to me. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you right back here, same place, same time, next week.